All right, everyone, welcome to episode three. Dallas, we're up to three. This is big, buddy. That's three more than we usually have. And this is a big one because we're an official podcast now because we have a guest. We do. Making making plays. Making plays here. All right, Dal, good you? Uh, you know, pretty good. Yeah, not bad. Why don't we get a real job? This podcast thing is seeming to run, a, run its course. <laughs> no, no, now we're getting guests and like more guests and then... You know, after that, I think we're going to have a guest. According to the numbers last week, more than my mom listened to the episode, so the numbers, they're spiking totally right now. We are on a high. <laughs> if we were a stock, we would be skyrocketing right now. You should all be buying blue chip stocks of Pass and Dimes podcast. All right, so we've already teased it. Let's bring the guest in because that's all the people want. That's all the people need. <laughs> <laughs> all right, without further ado, our guest. Our guy. I think he's the best. Ever? He's a 96th birthday, right? He's gone to Youth Olympic Games. Under 21 World Championships. FISU. FIVB World Tour. He's a national champion. He's a provincial champion. He won the Jason Seneschal Award through the Ontario Volleyball Association. That's big. <laughs> that is huge. That's like the best award you can win outside like the Evelyn Olick and Ken Davies, which are like on par. They're not even better then. What have we missed? All around good guy. All around decent guy. <laughs> He's the pink hat wearing, high line rolling, spin serve shooting, Jake McNeil. How's it going, guys? I like that little Ric Flair. You just missed a woo! That's where you were supposed woo! to be. Woo! Woo! Welcome to the show, Jake McNeil. I'm feeling good. Passing Dimes podcast. Passing Dimes, the boys are back. The boys are back. This was the dynamic trio. That was so much fun. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was really strange when you wore all the same clothes every single yeah, every episode. episode. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to change every week. Every single oh, time. Like, what a laugh. No, what a laugh. No. Good thing nobody watched that. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think we did a switcheroo here? Passing Dimes podcast, face for radio, boys. This is great. I mean, if the first guest wasn't going to be Garrett, the guy who made the logo, the first pick had to be Jake. This is like Michael Jordan subbing in for Jerry West. Wow. Big praise. Big praise. Thanks, Dale. Jerry West, man. Are you, no, are but you Jerry... the logo thing. Okay. Jerry good. West was the logo. Okay. Yeah. We were about to get into a big debate about who, who is better than Jerry West, I feel, but I'm okay. I'll let it go. Let this the, one The slide. logo analogy, it, it's, a, it's okay. <laughs> All right. So we covered... All the awesome stuff Jake's done. I, I'm dead convinced. I think he's the best 96th birthday in beach volleyball. Uh, obviously, anyone who's paid attention for a long time realizes that a lot of those came with friend of the show, Andrew Richards. Hey, big rich. So all around, all around great guy. So, Jake, let's start there. Uh, was he when he? I know you bounced around a little bit with the first beach partners, but was he like the main guy that you kind of settled in and played like full uh, seasons with? I would say uh, no, actually. The first, my, I was... First met Andrew actually playing against uh, Andrew. Nice. So we had a, we had some absolute battles. Um, I actually took a friend to play in the Region 3 uh, beach volleyball tournament that we played or whatever to try and qualify for the summer games. And he had his friend, and we were both there playing. That's where we actually met. I actually got partnered with Liam Kopp, another national team member. We played in the Ontario Summer Games at the uh, Briscay. I think I was 13. Liam was 14. Um, that up, I didn't know. Picked That's up a fun fact. Sudbury, up a, right? Yeah, Sudbury. Oh, I'm picked up to remember a, now. Picked up a big bronze medal. I think we lost to, to Big Blake Shearhorn. He was there and a couple other notable names like Coppers and some other big indoor lads. Um, and then that's actually where we met uh, met Andrew Richards and then we started playing together actually that next summer. So, I, I guess if I'm, I'm going to lead in some questions here, I should probably start with what got you into beach volleyball? Because, again, anyone who knows you well knows that you play hockey at a decent level. You play baseball at a high level. What made yeah. you do the switch to this crazy thing we call beach volleyball? So, <laughs> it was the money. Yeah. It was definitely the money. Let me tell you, it was absolutely the money. Because the guys I used to play hockey against are not making a killing or You know anything. what? And you don't make a lot of money playing baseball. You don't make a lot of money playing hockey. But what do you make a lot of money doing? Men's beach volleyball. That's why I'm here doing the podcast, really. Yeah, this is like, where the big yeah. money is, too. Uh, my dad, I think, still ready to have a heart attack every time. <laughs> <laughs> big Glenn. Um, so, no, but honestly, it was, it was totally my sister. She was kind of rocking up. She was playing beach volleyball at the time and indoor. Um, so I would just, like, 
the first time I ever went to the beach, Ashbridge's Bay, was to watch her play. Then I saw a bunch of guys like around my age running around playing, so I was like, hey, might as well give this a shot. Played with uh, a, a friend from baseball. Then when I went back, my sister's club coach um, was a teacher at my high school, uh, middle school, sorry. So she kind of forced me to start playing. I said the classic line, I don't want to play volleyball. It's a girls' sport. Yep, here I am. So, uh, yeah. Way to break gender walls, yeah. dude. Hey, good job. <laughs> exactly. That's awesome. Men can play volleyball as well. Th that reminds me of Jack McBain started playing beach volleyball because he always was at the beach watching his sister and said, yeah. like, I'm just going to play. I don't want to watch yeah, you I don't, play Yeah, I don't want to. Yeah, I, I got to watch you all day. I might as well be out there playing. So, so I wonder yeah. how many people are in the same boat. They're just like, yeah, I, I got involved through a sibling, but I started playing and started to take off. That's, yeah, that's awesome. So that's, my sister always says she taught me everything I know. So. <laughs> <laughs> and your sister played at a high level too, right? She did. She went and played in the NCAA, actually. It was the starting libero for four years. And what school? Uh, Connecticut. UConn. So, yeah. Big noise. And uh, friends of the show, Beach Class, would like us to also mention that you and your sister usually play in the Canada Day Tournament. That's correct. We play in the co-ed co twos. We actually we picked up two seconds, and then we finally got our first first last year. Yes. That's where I'm actually – you can't see because we're on a podcast, but I'm wearing the Beach Blast victory pants. You know what? I'm glad you said that because we should note, and I guess we should have put that down on your notable wins list that we were ranking off there. Right. It was Youth Olympic Games, FIVB World Tour player, and – Co-ed twos. Co-ed Beach Blast twos. Canada. Now champion. <laughs> <laughs> Finally got over the hump. Yeah. Oh. Way to get that career win. Yeah, that was huge. Uh, one more question I'd like to ask about the OVA, because obviously I was working there at the time, and, and Andrew Richards brought this to my attention. He's like, hey, can you look it up? Has Jake McNeil played in every beach tournament this year? And sure enough, when I look back, you came to Ottawa the one year we had a tournament oh, there. Yeah. Obviously, you played in all the Toronto, all the Cobra. I think even Toronto Cobra, you would play the two-a-days. Um, what did your mom and dad think when you're like, can you sign me up for like every beach volleyball tournament from May until August? Like, can you just make that happen? If you know anything about my mom at Saint. all, she is the biggest, well, Jay Nuttall, got a shout out, Big Jay, but her and Jay are probably the two biggest beach volleyball fans. Pretty funny story, honestly. I come home from school one day, and it's at the same time that uh, the World Championships was in Netherlands for beach volleyball at the time. I was pretty new to like be playing, like started playing. I get home and my mom's been watching the Netherlands World Tour beach volleyball, like Germany against Brazil or something's on my TV when I get home. My mom's just sitting there watching, just taking in everything. Like it was unbelievable. Honestly, I've learned so much from from just her. And she didn't even know anything about the real, the sport, really, until she started watching and picking everything up. So my mom's been my absolute number one supporter. And um, so she she was always on board. Whatever I wanted to do, it, she always made it happen for me. Amazing. Amazing. Kelly's actually going to be on episode four. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, you should have had her on yeah, instead of me. Yeah, she's got yeah, some she stories. She was pretty busy today. <laughs> <laughs> you called her yeah, first, right? Did. Yeah, yeah. She had a lot of games to watch. <laughs> Sweet. So let's let's jump ahead to what was probably the first time you're like, well, I can I can play at the highest level. Was it Youth Olympic Games was the first one, or was it winning a national championship? Uh, you went to BC and played with that with Andrew. Like, when was the first time you're kind of like this this beach volleyball thing? I can I can do this. Fond memory of the day, and allow me to insert myself in here. Got to insert yourself. Was watching you this Jake long. and Andrew play. In Vancouver at what was it? Nat it was nationals. Natties, yeah. And I don't remember if it was the semi or if it was the final, but it was in BC. And I don't even remember who you were playing. But this is where we first met. So it was 2012. And Greedy and Barrar. Oh, if that's who they are, sure. Um, was it a final or was it a semi? I can't remember. I can't that. remember either. Anyway, it was packed because there were local guys. And there must have been like, you know, a couple hundred people piling around. And whenever the BC boys would get a point, everybody would sort of be going and hooting and hollering. And then everybody would be sort of chirping Jake and Andrew. And I think they won the first and were losing the second or lost the second and the third comes. And I sort of like saw Jake struggling a little bit. So then super out of character for me, I started chirping. <laughs> I started chirping the BC guys. And started chirping the BC fans a little bit. And, I mean, once I got a little momentum behind me and I got a, good, a couple good laughs going, I started patrolling the beach. 
So like they would do something and I would start ripping into them and then Jake would do something and I'd start gassing his tires a little bit and they ended up winning, which was great because I think I had the whole beach rolling. Like from a total I don't like Jake and Andrew, they're on terrible to oh my god, I can't believe that idiot from Toronto just shut everybody up. <laughs> it, <laughs> I and I was that. like so I, I remember, remember being so satisfied, being like yeah, I like. Oh, I was so pumped for you. A, that was a big. That was a big down moment for sure. She got rocked up, sitting on the log by himself. <laughs> Everybody around the court, Dal just standing on the end, just and, letting people know. And I was throwing daggers. Like they weren't even like pleasant. Like oh, that's pretty funny. It was like I was. I was aiming for heads. <laughs> So you want you want an assist on Jake's national championship? Yeah. He, he wants he wants a, he wants <laughs> hey, for a, a, know what? Assist. a good uh, a good Instagram a good Instagram a post for that is actually we both won national championships that day. So <laughs> that uh, that was no that was my first memory of you and uh, it's yeah. No, that was well, good. now that you've hi hijacked the show here, I want to know <laughs> what was one of the better chirps because the Ontario chirp is actually pretty witty. Like I, I out of all the BC ones, that's pretty good. Like. You've been victim of that one before. Uh, you, you know what? Actually, no. People really like me, and they don't chirp me all that often. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm not too familiar with being chirped myself. Um, I don't remember some of the good ones I was throwing around, but I just remember it was it was it was bad it, to the point where I was like, okay, I got to bring my A game here because Jake needs me and uh, like I I remember you went in provincials. I remember you went in all like the age group stuff, and then we flew up to Vancouver, and you were there, and I was like, man, this is a cool dude, it's, you know, at the time, you know, this is like my little brother, and I was like, I gotta help him out here, and what better way to help out than to, uh, I don't know, make fun of some other people. <laughs> <laughs> what skills do you possess yeah, to really yeah. help him? It wasn't coaching, no. you, know, you didn't want to fill up his water bottle, so you no. contributed the best way yeah. you could. I, yeah. can, I can hurt feelings <laughs> at a professional level. <laughs> <laughs> So I don't remember the question, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we were just talking about when when it kind of took off, where it was something that you weren't just doing on weekends; it was something you wanted to do and play at the highest level. Cool. Maybe Dallas was the spark of getting you at the highest level. Yeah, um, I would like yeah, all those age group uh, world championships. I would say really propel you to decide, I guess, more like is this something that you like officially want to take on at a full time basis. Because until you kind of see um, every day, like, what kind of work that has to go into uh, trying to achieve playing on the world tour, let alone, uh, like, breaking in and, and being a top team, uh, you, you know, kind of especially being from, being from Canada where beach volleyball is not mega, mega, it's getting bigger, but um, you know nothing about it. And when you go to those, like, world um, or Youth Olympics or things like that, you, that's when you can kind of see, like, okay, there's another level here, and then you kind of, it gets you into where you're, you know, working with national team coaches, able to see, you know, the guys like, for me at the time, you know, Josh Binstock, uh, Christian Redmond, like how hard those guys are working, what they're actually doing with the sport, and I think that just kind of what drove me to really, um, try and play at the next level kind of seeing those guys like meeting guys like Casey Jennings and um, other world tour athletes where it's like hey this is a real thing this is what you can do if you kind of put your mind to it so so your first international tournament was the youth Olympic games right uh yes yeah and there was U19 worlds as well I can't remember which one was which one was first which one was second but they were both in the same year so how do you compare a multi-sport games and a regular international tournament because you've been fortunate enough to do both. Well, the Youth Olympics was like nothing I've ever experienced. It's the way they do it is unbelievable. They the villages, the the way the opening ceremonies, uh, they try and set it up as much like the um, actual Olympics as they possibly can, and they they did an unbelievable job. So I think that. There, it's unbelievable what the things that they did and the situations we were in and literally playing one game a day, maybe one game every two days is a lot different than packing in two or three matches over a four-day span where we're playing one match, the tournament lasted two weeks. So it's kind of hard to com compare the, the two. Both amazing, both uh, different though, for sure. Now, did you get a chance to watch any other sports when you were in China playing? 
We did. We did. We went and watched the uh, the Chinese versus Japan table tennis finals. It was probably the best game of table tennis I've ever seen in my whole entire life. The guys are standing 70 feet back from the table, walloping the ball back and forth. Like, unbelievable to watch. Uh, we went and watched a little bit of the track and field, and we also uh, field hockey and rugby sevens. Dal just kicked something. Is it still gone? Almost ruined the whole operation. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay, though, because he's got his Christmas socks. <laughs> um, so, yeah, we got to see quite, quite a few sports at, at some really high levels and, and make some really cool friends, so that was pretty awesome. Uh, so you mentioned Christian Redmond is one of your role models. Uh, one thing I've always admired about your game, and even you did it today, was you're you're one of those guys that yeah, let, let's label you. I guess we can say he's undersized. Like we, Dallas, he, is that a popular term? Is that he's a, a tiny man. Yeah. Ah, okay. You took it too far, guy. Um, <laughs> but one thing I admire with you, is, and I see this with like the way Christian plays, the way Marquise plays. Like even when you're peppering, you have like a, a joy about you, but there's intensity about you. Like there's proper form. Like. If you were to watch Jacob Neal practice on a Tuesday, he would probably behave the same way he would in a quarterfinal on an FIB event. So I'm just wondering for, for the listeners of our show, what, what can you pass on for advice to kind of how you turn into this gamer? Because if we're going to play a, a King of the Beach in Canada right now, I bet you Jacob Neal's in the final. Just because you get the most out of your partner, you have this, this intensity about you, you have more fun than anybody out there. Like, is, is this by accident? Is this by design? How did this come about? Uh, I think it kind of just came from me being a multi-sport athlete growing up, so trying to take kind of the, the best thing from all the different sports and implementing it. Um, I'm, a, I'm a very passionate guy about beach volleyball. I love beach volleyball, so I feel if you're out there and you're not enjoying yourself, you're not having fun, it, it isn't something you should be doing. Uh, I get to go to the beach every day and uh, play volleyball for a living, so it's, pretty, it's a pretty awesome uh, way to live my life. Uh, I've just always been... Honestly, growing up too, I was told, you know, I was too short. I wasn't able to do it. I think that just kind of drove me to want to be better, want to do more, want to work harder. And that I kind of try and pride myself on, like, if you're going to beat me, it's because you're playing your A-plus game and you're going to do it all the way to the end. I don't care what the score is. We're just going to kind of battle all the way through. And I try and instill that in whatever partner that I play with that, you know, we might not be the best. We might not, you know be having our best game at that time but we're going to make you work we're going to make you fight for every point and uh finish the game so yeah i've been on all sorts of ends of that spectrum you know we've played against each other for years we trained with each other and against each other for years we played with each other uh a few times internationally and uh on, on all that i think you nailed it on the head you really do you love it and um you know, it's good to see it's you're a good dude, and uh, you know, it's uh, it's good to see that you're coming up, and I'm really looking forward to uh, to watching you succeed. Thanks, bud. Really, we had a ton of fun playing together. Um, but yeah, I think too, just both of my parents. Uh, my mom was actually a super high uh, level athlete as well. She was uh, one of the best pitchers in Canada for uh, softball. So she's instilled a lot of uh, things she's learned over over the years, and uh, you can't forget about my dad too. The best. At everything in Nova Scotia, apparently. <laughs> just ask him. We just ask him and fact check. Don't. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I think we need to have a separate podcast of just Glenn McNeil stories because I'm just looking at you now and you can't see my face, but I have to close my eyes because I'm laughing so hard because <laughs> I'm just thinking about all the stuff that he talked to me and prepping for international stuff with you and. Even just like where we're staying, baby, I the time. Oh, just like what I'm, what I'm doing for my meals, and I would tell him. And one of my favorite stories is Glenn would come up to me and he'd go, "Dad, what do you got there?" And I'd be, uh, "Glenn, I'm having a salad." He goes, "Oh, those vegetables? No, oh, those aren't good for you." <laughs> <laughs> All right, let let me cover one more serious thing because I, I'm afraid once we start the stories, Dal's going to take this on a tangent and I won't be able to find my way back. <laughs> So we'll cover one more big thing, and then uh, I think it's time to hear about all these road adventures you guys have had. So, time to um, unleash. Canada, we just had the World Championship Trials. Obviously, you're you're in a fun spot because you're in it. So for we those got of a you chance. Who, who missed last week's episode, uh, Ben and Grant won the bid, but if they do well in the upcoming China event, they can sneak into the top 23 in the world, which gives them an automatic bid. Sam and Sam are in the same boat where they can finish in the top 23, which means 
Jake McNeil and Will Hoey would earn the bid to go to World Championships. So just walk us through uh, that experience and what it was like playing in a World Championship trials. All the best teams in Canada were there. Uh, it's a two-day tournament here. Uh, what was that like? Like I said, like you got to see Ben and Grant, who usually don't come home that often. Yeah. We get to train with Sam and Sam, but we don't get to be across the net from them. Like Share your experience in a, in a meaningful tournament like that. Well, let me just start by saying I'm now the biggest O'Gorman Saxon fan on the planet. Because if they have a good tournament down in China, then we're going to get to fulfill our dreams of going to Germany and playing in World Championships. So that was pretty exciting. Uh, Will and I are a pretty new partnership. So anytime we get to compete, um, we love it. We love getting out there and battling together, um, let alone against the top seven teams in, in the country. And to have Ben and Grant come down, to have Sam and Sam there, to have um, all the best teams was, was very awesome. It was an honest-to-God dogfight out there because we were playing three matches a day, which you don't normally have. You know, you're usually playing one to two on the uh, world tour. Um, and guys were, guys were, and it wasn't like you were playing three matches and your first one was a warm-up pool play game. It was a fight every single game. Um, so we learned a lot. We, we got to play, compete, and we're really happy with how we finished. Obviously, we would have, I wouldn't be a competitor if I didn't say that we, we wanted the gold and we wanted to know for sure that we were going, but we're really proud that we do have a chance. And now we put our faith in the other uh, Volleyball Canada boys to try and get their, uh, get their thing done, maybe get a couple medals in China and get us in there. Um, so just to, to follow up with uh, Will as a new partnership, so you guys have already taken a fifth, which is a great result for our mm -hmm. next-gen group. Um, that was in India, I think? That was in India, yeah. And then uh, coming up, you guys are going on a, a little bit of a Norseca tour here. Yeah, we're, so we're ripping down to uh, Mexico, Cayman Islands, Nicaragua over the next three weeks, and then we come home for a few days, and we're going to, I think, do the Turkey two-star and the China four-star. So we got a... Uh, uh, quite a quite a run coming up here. Hashtag Turkey Two Star. <laughs> <laughs> the old uh, Turkey Two Star. That, that uh, that's a pretty daunting traveling schedule to have all those uh, all those tournaments in such a short period of time. For our listeners that don't know the difference between uh, a Norseca Continental event and an FIVB International event, uh, can you enlighten us and just tell us a bit about what makes we'll say Norseca special? So I'm, I'm one of the few guys who doesn't have a ton of Norseca um, experience, actually. I've only played in two, ever. Uh, one was in North Bay, Canada, and the other one was in Mexico, La Paz, uh, which was actually quite a, quite a nice event. But uh, from what I've heard, it's, it, can, it can be gnarly. It can be a bit of a gong show. You never kind of know what you're going to get. Uh, we're pretty excited because apparently Cayman Islands is just an absolutely beautifully run tournament and, and very nice. I hear this first one we're going to in Mexico, we're, we're in the middle of cows and, and pigs and chickens, and it's, we're right out there, and there, there's got a bit of altitude and stuff. So I, until I go, I don't know exactly, but I've heard that that one can be pretty pretty gnarly. I know that Mike and uh, Aaron actually were fortunate enough to win that one last year, so we're hoping to make it a back-to-back -back Canada gold medal. Um, but yeah, I've, I've heard some, some gnarly stories, some, some dark and, some dark and terrors, but I myself have, don't have too many of them, unfortunately. So. so just to make sure we don't cliffhanger this for the listener, uh, let's all tell one funny Norseka thing they've heard. I'll go first. Andrew Hinchy's first Norseka, the, the food in the player's tent was KFC and the water bottles were Pepsi. So that's his first experience <laughs> at professional volleyball is not proper food for a high performance athlete and you want water. We don't have water. You can have a Pepsi. All right, now what do you got? Um, Cam and Mike, when they first played on Arsica, they played in Guatemala, and I guess the city that they lived in was divided into districts, and I think it was District 1 through 8, and the tournament was held in, for argument's sake, for story's sake, we'll say District 5, but there was a car bombing in District 6 while the tournament was going on. So they had... Uh, I guess some sort of attack go on or some sort of like significant event happen really close to them while they were playing. I've had a few fun. I've heard a few fun ones. I actually do have one slightly of my own, I guess, now thinking back. Um, <laughs> there, I remember showing up to Puerto Rico to try and qualify for the Youth Olympic Games way back. This was when I was uh, just a wee lad. Um, and 27. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we, we got there and we're like thinking we're going to go practice. You know, we're there like three days early 
the courts weren't ready until the day before <laughs> we rock up and it's a bunch of prison inmates working on the court. Like that was their, their labor force. That's who was making these courts. So we were, we were a little stunned at 17 years old to be looking around going, okay. Another good one I've heard is that. And little do they know, sorry to cut you off, is yeah. the juvenile delinquents would take off their prison attire and put on their shorts and they'd play in the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> Probably pretty athletic right there. Um, and another one was, I, I can't remember which girls team was telling me, but a girls team was telling me that they decided there was going to be night games in the Dominican because it took way too long. There, was, there wasn't a lot of organization. They didn't actually have lights. So they just kind of <laughs> <laughs> so just kind of hung a few lights off off a couple of strings and said, "Let's go." So, so apparently you couldn't see the serve until it was like on top of you, and anytime you went to attack, nobody could see. So that's oh. a good Norseka story I've heard. Oh boy, just like a cottage game with like patio land. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> you gotta turn on you gotta turn on your high beam, right? Sound record. <laughs> <laughs> And you're like, you hit the ball. It's like the backyard game. Like, that must have been in. No, it was out, man. Like, you're just guessing. A at lot that of point. research like, happened that night. Yeah. <laughs> like, how do you ref that? Like, it's pitch black outside. You have no light. Ugh. That's awesome. I think we've stayed as real journalists as long as we can here. Uh, so let's get into it. You guys went to Sydney for a pro event and an FIV yeah. event. Yeah. Uh, am I informed or have you guys played together before that? No. We okay. wanted to for a long time. And, team fire uh, yeah we uh <laughs> team quiet no we wanted to for a long time and i remember going back and forth with jake about it and just about like national stuff like i should say domestic stuff and international tournaments never really presented themselves but uh some extenuating circumstances happened and jake was uh slotted in to play a tournament with me in australia and we were fortunate enough that uh the same promoter was putting on a domestic tour event, what was it, a week before? Yep. So we were down in Australia for almost three weeks together, and uh, it was a lot of fun. I think there's a lot of stories that uh, we can share. I, I know listeners on the last episode... Well, Dal's already shared most of them, uh, so... But uh, there was a good one with the Mario Kart, and that was a lot of fun, but... Uh, I got a super good story, and it has Dal in it. But we and Dow were not partners. No, that was in Brazil. But I yeah. do remember a good one in, well, I'll, I'll say two, and we'll, we'll see if time permits. But the first one was when we got to the Airbnb. So Jake and I, to get to Australia, we took a 16-hour flight from Toronto to Hong Kong, had, I think, an eight-hour layover in Hong Kong, and then another nine-hour flight from Hong Kong to Sydney. And then you have to drive because Manly is on an island. So there's a bridge that connects Sydney to Manly. That's a, that's a pretty big travel, we'll say, week. <laughs> uh, and we get to what they call a backpackers, which is an Australian hostel. And uh, it was not the nicest place. So we order an Airbnb for the next day. And this really nice couple has us there. And they have this dog. Dog's dog. name is Doug. Dougie. <laughs> and, Dougie uh, the dog. Doug, Doug the dog. And this is probably the, the, the second or third night that Jake and I are there, and we're going down to, to walk down to the beach for practice. And the dog, who's been, like, sleeping in our beds for, like, the whole couple of days we've been down there, takes a huge dump on the kitchen floor. And Jake is like, all right, let's go. Yeah, let's, you know, like, whatever. Like, it's not my dog. It's not my house. Let's go. And I'm thinking, like, no, man, like, these people are going to clean up this dog's <laughs> so that, dump. That, that was like, our first fight as partners. We never fought. That, that is not my job. It's my, I'm in an Airbnb. I'm in my specific room. Like, let's get this. Let's get this. Let's let's get this right here. Dal's making the story make me look like a bad guy. It's there, a Jake episode. There, Why don't you tell that story? No. No, it's fine. It's fine. But this is a house that they're also staying in. So it's not like... It's the house they live in. So it's not like we're... Yeah, they obviously live in it. It's an Airbnb. Like, anyways, they're living there with us, and we're in one room, and they have the rest of the house. So we're paying for one room. They have the rest of the house. The dog dumps not in our room, <laughs> not our dog, and he dumps in the kitchen. So, no, I don't really feel like picking up this random dog's dump, Dal. No thanks. For those of you that agree with me, I did. But, Jake, can you tell our listeners what... Nickname you gave the dog from here on then? Shit, dog, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> 
And uh, uh, before I let you talk about the uh, the good story of us against each other, I have one more from Australia that really it'll make you laugh as well. It's when we were playing Schnetzer Mueller in the qualifier to get into the main draw of the domestic tour. And didn't say sorry. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> so. I mean, they had come off, I think, a second-place finish at uh, Wang Kui One Star, so they were pretty ready to go, and I guess there was, like, some sort of seating issue they had, and he had come and talked to, Florian had come and talked to us before, complaining that, that we had to play each other in, in the crossover, and we had already won our first match, and this, the second round was to qualify for the main draw, and... You know, Jake and I have been playing pretty well together. We're, we're stringing some points on them. And I remember Jake runs a back play. He sets me a back play. And the blocker peeled. And I saw him peel. And I ripped the ball as hard as I could. And, like, I crunched it. And I thought I had hit him in the shoulder. And Dal, in classic <laughs> Dal fashion, had the largest celly you could ever think of in your life. Like, picture Dal... Okay, and how big Dallas Ellie's, and then times it by like two because he's so fired up because we're we're like we're getting ready to qualify for this tournament. I think it was your first time, first qual, first, first main draw qualification. First, yeah. yeah, first time Dal qualify. He's playing amazing, blocking everything, siding out, pounds this guy in the shoulder. Yes. I thought it was a shoulder. Yeah. Pounds this guy in the shoulder. You you can't see my air quotes because we're on radio. But it hit him square in the face. I couldn't slow Dal down. And he's yelling through the net. Yeah! What a hit by me! Like, I'm unbelievable! Like, he's getting ready back to serve. This guy's holding his face. Like, he's absolutely... He's got, a, like, Mikasa tattooed on his forehead. And Dal is letting this guy know... <laughs> Through the net. It was one of the funniest things I've ever seen. And uh, that, that's 100% true. But what I thought was really funny is he was like cold after the match to me. And I was like, oh, like we, we beat him. Like, okay, he'd be upset. And then his partner went up to Jake and was like, yeah, he, he doesn't like your partner. <laughs> he, goes, he goes, your partner is a dickhead. Is what he actually said. <laughs> I know. No. I, no, the moment's I, gone too. You're just. Uh, you know. I mean, I'll use this vessel to apologize to him, but uh, he won't hear it. I don't think so. <laughs> Daniel Schnetzer, I'm sorry that I packed you in the face. I thought it was your shoulder. Uh, you feel better. I feel a little bit better. Yes, but uh, so, Jake, you alluded to you alluded to this a little bit before, but uh, you have a pretty good behind the scenes FIVB travel story. Okay, so this is. I was playing with Gabe at the time. Dallas was playing with D. Yasmin Call. Um, so we played. Uh, we actually went to Brazil again. We weren't we weren't playing together, but the four of us were all traveling together. We played in the uh, FIB Four Star. And let me say, start off by saying Brazil, one of the most incredible places I've played in terms of fan base. The fan base is so passionate, so loving. And so knowledgeable, like you make a really good play, and they understand the play on an, on another level than maybe another place would, just because they grow up loving loving volleyball and soccer there. Like that's what they do. That's how they live. So we're getting ready. We just lost. Both of us lost in the second round of the qualifier in the four star. Both a little bummed. Like Dal, I think you got a three setter, right? Made it really yeah, close. Played we really well against yeah. Lithuania. We drew a pretty good Germany team. Lost two straight. Um, so we're all a little bummed, but we're we're pretty excited because we're going to this this one star in Brazil, and we're we're in the main draw, and we're feeling good. Dal actually just found out he got bumped from the top of the qualifier to the main draw. So we we go quickly from our mood being a little down to very excited. So we hop in our taxi cab because uh, it's a pretty far trip to get to uh, where we need to go. Yeah, we were what? I think we're a three-hour drive from Rio to where we needed to be. And we're talking, we're talking to this cab driver and he speaks the minimal amount of English you can you can speak which was a lot in Brazil because nobody speaks English <laughs> in Brazil and we're going okay we're ready like let's let's do this the four of us pile into this little taxi and, and we go 
We're about two hours into this trip and we're all terrified because we're driving up these hills, down these back roads. We're driving up. It's pitch black outside. It's dead at night. We're ripping around. like these, these are the type of roads I would drive 15 kilometers on terrified. This guy's going 120. Just no, doesn't care at all. Just blasting. <laughs> we're climbing. Dow's already laughing because this was nuts. We, we can we, only laugh about it now, now that we, we're here. We pull up, and there's like four, I don't even know, what would you call them, Dow? Army, it army was, cars? It was a police checkpoint. A police checkpoint where these guys are wearing full army Brazil gear with these massive M16 guns. Like, they massive. All had, all had a They all weapons. stop us, because like, who the hell's driving these roads at this time of night? They look in the car, they see the four of us. They don't really speak English that well either. They're talking to the cab driver for about 10 minutes. I'm looking over. Dow's face is as white as you could humanly picture. Like, Dow, from the minute we got stopped, was terrified. Granted, the three of us, we were doing okay. Dow, instantly terrified, let alone he probably should. Like, we probably should have been scared than we were because we get told to get out of the car. We also get told to get out of the car by these men who are holding assault rifles. Yes. Pointed no. in our general direction. So we're now, now that we have to get out of the car, I have my hands up on the hood of a car. We all do, all four of us. Now I'm terrified. Now I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I'm with you now. This is the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. Like, what did I do? What did I get myself into? Where are we? We're talking. <laughs> Yasmin got his hands on the car. Like, you know, he's, he's still pretty calm. Me, Gabe, and Dow are... In shambles. We are terrified. They're like pointing their guns around. They're like talking to the, talking to the cab driver again. We don't know what they're saying. All of a sudden, they sort of motion to us to empty our pockets. So as four guys who I don't know if you know this, we don't really look Brazilian. We're getting robbed. We're getting yeah, robbed. I, I don't I don't know what was happening, but I just remember him motioning to to pockets and I put my passport on the hood of the car, I put my wallet on the hood of the car, I put my phone on the hood and of the car, and I'm thinking like I'm shaking. Yeah. Being oh, yeah. like, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna I'm gonna get robbed. Best case scenario I'm gonna I get robbed. robbed. That's the best, best case. Best case scenario, I get robbed and I'm in the middle of nowhere in Brazil and I don't and, know where to go. And all of a sudden, Yasmin takes his hands off the car, turns around, the guys are all freaking out, and Yasmin starts motioning, volleyball, volleyball, like, we want to go volleyball. The, the four cops, like, you see them huddle up, like, they're, like, huddling, and then they go, Miguel Pereira, one star, like, Miguel Pereira, and we go, yeah, 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 we're so excited, we're like, yes, like, yes, one star, yes, they're like, volleyball, you, you have volleyball players, we go into our bags, we get, like, our Canada jerseys, we're like, yeah, like, Canada, like, Canada, like, Team Canada, they're like, they start taking pictures with us, like, they, they have, they have, like, here, they put their four guns down, the taxi driver's taking photos of us with these four guys, they're, they go, like, we get it explained to us later that they're just, like, I guess this is, like, uh, 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 what's it called? Checkpoint checking for like drugs because a lot of drug people are driving through that area or whatever. But it was the scariest thing of my life, it and then it was one of the best experiences ever because then there now we have an escort all the way to the hotel. We got an army escort driving us to the hotel. We made great time. <laughs> no, uh, I think it was Tiago because he had, he he speaks English well. Yeah. He told us that the reason we got pulled over, and it's funny because we're talking to him, we told him the story. And Jake and I are like, I can't believe we got pulled over. Like, oh, I was so scared. And he goes, well, well, how many of you were in the car? And we're like, four. He goes, oh, well, there you go. And I guess it's it's common practice that if you have, I guess, four or more men in the same car, you just you get pulled over because they just want to know what you're doing. They think something's going on. So uh, there you go. But yeah, <laughs> volleyball saved my life. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, that was that was one of my best on on the roads behind the scenes, and Dow's still sweating. Like I can yeah. see it right now, he's still sweating from it. It was it was an experience. It was an experience, and you know what? It's so funny because you just you you have an idea of, of what what's going on, and your mind starts going crazy places. And I'm like, oh, this is it. Like that was a good run for me, and uh, you know, at least I have that three setter in, in the four star to look back on because <laughs> <laughs> that's it for me. <laughs> All right, one more thing we have to cover with Jake because obviously 
It was such a, it was such a cult classic, you know, best ever debates best where we ever. had this great show going. It was a real fan favorite. Yeah, it was <laughs> it was awesome. So while we have him, we we have to take advantage of this. So for anyone who missed it, because you know you might be the only one who's never heard of the show, the only one ever, <laughs> kind of a big deal. We pick a topic, no one knows the other's answers, and we basically just fight it out. So there's been stuff that was like too easy and we all agreed on, and then there's been stuff where like Dallas got hate mail from, uh, <laughs> from Casey Jennings because he doesn't think Carrie Walsh Jennings is the best female beach player of all time. Right. Like, anyway. Yeah, that was a pop. That was an absolute pop from Dow. Like, <laughs> hey, I'm like Stephen A. Smith. I'm not here to make fans. I'm just here to spit truth. <laughs> All right, so this week's this week's topic with, with Jake is going to be if you were in charge of the FIVB, what would you do for like the one day you're in charge? So this could be a rule change, this could be you invent something brand new, this could be you take volleyball to whatever you want to do, but you're in charge of the FIVB. One day only. Three, two, one, Jake, you're up. Okay, so I've been thinking a little bit about what uh, Big Ben Saxon's been doing out in uh, out west with uh, his league in BC, and I'm thinking that we take that to a whole nother level of, we get a bunch of franchises around the US, Canada, maybe a few in Brazil, whatever, where you actually have a draft, have a, however you wanna pick your team, signing period, whatever, where you end up with two men's teams, two women's teams, and we have it more like a regular season where people can follow teams' records, you know, really get behind your team from your country, from your um, your area, from your city, and where it's more of a, a kind of similar to the NCAA, like exactly kind of similar format that, that Ben has there. And because I feel like we, everything being tied, every single FIVB tournament being tied towards the Olympics has kind of made it, made the Olympics amazing and an amazing feat in beach volleyball, but it hasn't generated a ton of money for outside sponsorships, for outside people. And I feel like if it's more of a brand towards, you know, this whatever championship you want to call, that's going to create more opportunity, more jobs, more money for the casual fan to come in, invest, whatever, in their club, try and draw in some bigger uh, sponsorships, knowing a bit more like, hey, every weekend this is going to be a match so it's just a bit more consistent a bit more um well i don't know what word i'm trying to say a bit more consistent where you can constantly know how your team's doing and keep more up to date with it as a as a fan i think that that's a great idea yeah i followed along uh ben's project there and, and you're right the big thing he was trying to push is that you're cheering for a team like instead of following seeing what dallas is doing you cheer for Yes Guy Gaming's it's, franchise. Yes Guy. You're all set a part of a club or a community of people and you have your team right. and, and you follow them around, right? And, right. And then there becomes more of like decision makings too in terms of like, hey, do I want this team against that team? It becomes a uh, becomes a bit of a competition as well as at the end. I'd, what I'd love to see is a, a couple of e-gaming um, sports games have adopted this is the end of the season. You have a playoff format obviously, but where it's more of a hey, the number one seed, you choose between two and six or two and four or however many teams who you want to play. And you, you have to, and you have to give that kind of reason. Like, hey, we want these guys because they suck. Or we want, <laughs> <laughs> we want these guys because, you know. I want that in a formal letter. <laughs> we, we match up really well with this type of style or this type of games as well as you can be switching partners in and out. And, and there's a bit more of a – GM coaching style of the game brings more people into it, brings in an owner. You know, it just kind of uh, grows the sport, I think, because it being having to go to the every single tournament to qualify for the Olympics, I think, has made it a, a tough a tough spot to really push forward and and make money like these other bigger, you know, NHL, NBA franchises who are not connected to the Olympics, not connected to um, the I don't know what word I'm looking for, but not connected uh, solely to that tournament um, are able to make big funds. So Nice. I like that one a lot. This is what sucks about letting him go first is that one probably should have closed it out. Anyways, mine was, was along the similar lines where I would try to figure out a way to showcase the sport. So I was thinking a blackout period where there's no indoor beach and kind of piggyback on what other great promoters are doing. So I was a big fan on, on the King of the Court tournaments they had going on, King of the Beaches. 
What I really like with 1440 is they let athletes from other countries play together. So it yeah. kind of changed the mold. So I, I would just design a blackout period where there's no indoor and there's no beach qualification for point stuff going on. And we host a beach tournament. And now you get a chance to maybe see Bruno and Dalhauser play together or maybe an indoor guy. So maybe Danny Demonenko plays with Dallas Keith for a tournament because they don't have any indoor commitments. Like find a way to kind of showcase how skilled some volleyball guys are because I bet you there's indoor guys who want to play beach, but they don't have the opportunity because of club and international and all that stuff. Um, and I bet you there's beach guys who are more skilled than it really shows, but we don't really design it because they're always always playing for keeps, right? With the Olympic qualifying cycle, like you're you're in the grind the whole season no, and you don't get to see like a lot of the personalities. I mean, when Dallas hits somebody in the face, he's going bananas, but you don't get to really see <laughs> like, um, only if he's Austrian, like the, one of the best things I heard from Christian Redmond is he described Allison basically if Red Bull was a person, that's how Allison behaves. But because he has to be like always serious and playing for points, like let that guy in a party environment, let that guy partner up with Casey Jennings or Casey Patterson, mm -hmm. like let those guys have bananas and go fun and really make, the personality shine in our sport a little bit because one we could we could argue that our players aren't marketed very well but two they're not allowed to really show off what they're really about like even as exciting as a guy like Agapeth is indoors and with the stuff he can do on the court apparently he's way better at the bar like way better winning a player's <laughs> party like so there, there's so many guys who hide their personality you can't showcase it where when i look at nba or soccer those guys can really showcase like their brand and who they are jr smith jr smith <laughs> yeah <laughs> but basically find an opportunity or format where yeah we're playing for money or we're playing for a promoter or we're playing to showcase the sport but points aren't on the line here show your personality have a blast but i think the fib needs to black it out because indoor guys are go 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 the whole time even if they're off they're kind of reloading for the next thing that's coming uh and beach people because we're always playing for points there's just no time to kind of let loose and have a good time other than like i mentioned those great promoters with the king of the court events and king of the beaches and that stuff so that would be my idea is just a blackout period and kind of grow the sport for the fans. Big fan fest. Big fan. Mine is along your lines a little bit more, but I think that if I was the FIVB commissioner, and again, this is the unpopular Dow opinion of the day. Oh, man. I would take the map that the ATP has done in tennis and say, let's abolish the countries and say, I'm from Brazil, you're from the U.S., you want to play together, we'll play together. And it's the best players playing together all the time, and the federation nominates the Olympic team. So with tennis, you have, there's no country restriction on who you can play on tour with. So you would have something along the lines of yeah, the ATP the Tour and the Davis Cup, the Davis Cup being the, uh, the country qualification for the Olympics. Similarly, the FIVB could be a countryless tour, and then you have certain zonal or continental or federation bids where you submit countries to play against each other to qualify for the Olympics. That way, it's the best volleyball, the best players always playing. A little Davis Cup-style tournament would be, would be very interesting to, to see in the, in the beach volleyball world. You know, hey, our five best guys against and your, five yeah. best women against your five best and five best, and let's see, uh, let's, see who, let's see who's got it. You know, like a Davis Cup-style tournament could be a, a cool thing to look at as well. So I think the NCAA has that. Correct me, Rob, yeah. I'm asking, asking. You rank your teams one through five, yeah. and one play ones, two plays twos, mm -hmm. and whoever wins three out of five wins the game, right? Yeah, exactly. So I think that, that'd be a great format because, as we often talk about, what we used to discuss with best ever, um, you could make an argument that world championships is more competitive than the Olympics based on only two teams get into the tournament, right? Exactly. World champs, you get four. We're in a Davis Cup, now all five, and now you're really pulling country versus country, And it, right? it so. creates a little bit more um, like, hey, we're champs for Team Canada right now. Hey, this is we're working as a team, as Team Canada. I would also love to see if it was, instead of like ranking your teams one through five, you throw down your teams like in slots one through five so no no order no preference on like who's the best or whatever then you start to play some mind games with the other countries like hey you can start coaching hey a like okay we're gonna put we're gonna put sam and sam in the one spot this game next game they're in the four spot or something or if a team consistently is like okay you know we're gonna always put bruno and in evandro in the one spot like come come at us like so that way too there's no Hey, you you played your five against our four. You know what I mean? Like that happens in the NCAA a lot. It's yeah. like a, let's hey you you throw down your guys and like hey at nine forty you put down you show at the same time which teams are playing. I think that could be a cool 
a cool twist on the um, NCAA game as, as well. Like just, hey, instead of, because I'm hearing like it's very hard to be like, okay, well, oh, our, th- our three teams beat our two teams a bunch of times at practice. Like let's switch them. You know what I mean? Like that's such a hard thing to judge where if it's like, now it's a little bit of mind games. Like, hey, you throw a team in this slot to play this game and then the coach has to be thinking like, what are you thinking? What am I thinking? Kind of thing could be interesting. Did I get my first popular opinion ever? I don't know. I think we just took your idea. We took <laughs> made, it better. Better. <laughs> made it better. <laughs> we'll let the fan decide. <laughs> I already know my mom is against me. <laughs> awesome. I think we just we, we sent volleyball in the right direction. Because I look at a, a sport like golf, and obviously it's very intense, but when they go to a Davis Cup, there's a different mood around it. Like the players get fired. Ryder like Cup. Ryder Cup, excuse me. The Davis is the tennis, tennis one. Yeah. Yeah. But obviously very intense, pulling for your own country where – I don't think many players would admit this, but sometimes Canada isn't always rooting for Canada because if you win, how how am I going to win? Except like, for Ben except and Grant. Let's go! <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so you said your your travel schedule is going to be pretty hectic uh, coming up. How can people who listen uh, help follow you and support you with uh, with your year here? Huh. Well, obviously, um, at the FIVB website for any uh, international tournaments. There's also the, what's that, BVB? BVB info. BVB info. We'll, we'll keep you up to date. Norseka is an unbelievable website, but you can go on that and uh, it'll give you like uh, the after after kind of day results, like how everyone did. I think, um, yeah, and that's basically, that's basically how it's done. There's like a new podcast that might be able to help out. Is that pretty yeah. though? Uh... Pass and dance? Oh! oh! Shameless plug! Love gotta, that! Gotta hype yourself up! So that's. We gotta uh, follow the kid around. That's know? a good segue. We will be updating uh, our listeners on not only Jake's results, but full tournament results for all Norseka's and FIVB's coming up. Um, we also have the watch for May 6th, the World Championship countdown. And, yeah. Uh, Jake's still in contention. We got we didn't talk about this, but Pan Am Games, obviously, still in contention there. So we'll we'll have all the details for that as we lead into what's that a June fifteenth deadline, I think. Yeah, as well as uh, Edmonton. I know we probably got some listeners out there since you guys are so massive. Um, we got some Edmonton uh, tickets. We give a shout out to and, uh, uh, Ray Sewell. I don't know what nickname you gave him. I don't think it's the Red long. Razor. Uh, the Red <laughs> Razor. We'll see if that takes off. Maybe uh, we should do an episode of giving people nicknames. Oh, or <laughs> bad, or bad, bad nicknames. No, just nicknames. They can decide. If they is good or bad. Uh, but uh, thanks for coming on, Jake, and uh, we look forward to uh, to catching up again soon. Thanks for having me, guys. I think it's it's amazing what you guys are doing, and I think you guys are going to make it big. I think you're the uh, the next big thing in the podcast world. Not a lot of people are doing podcasts. So. Nobody's <laughs> doing podcasts nowadays. You guys are killing it you're way ahead of the curve all right everyone thanks for listening stay excellent hi mom hi josh's mom (laughs) (laughs) love you ma (laughs) and with that we're out